Well, hello, everybody. On this Mother's Day, I want to address a problem that every human being struggles with. And I know it sounds kind of odd for Mother's Day, but you'll see in just a few moments how, how, how much this matters to all of us. This message is for everyone. Well, the problem that I want to address is a problem that God calls sin. This problem has caused untold damage to this planet and untold damage to the human race. When this problem is brought under control, it produces blessing, it produces long life, it produces joy, happiness, and peace. Before I tell you what this problem is, I want to tell you a story about a a king by the name of Saul. Some of you who know your Old Testament know that King Saul was the very first king of Israel. He was a promising young man. He was very tall. They say that he stood a head taller than everybody else. So you really get the idea just how tall he was. He was a handsome man. He had a charisma about him. He was a natural leader. People naturally gravitated towards him. And this was a man that, that God chose to be Israel's first king. This is a, a man that people looked up to and wanted to follow. And so Saul was anointed by God's prophet Samuel, and uh, Samuel became the king. He was humble. He was, he was kind of shy. He was not the kind of guy that would push himself forward. Saul really wanted to please God. And uh, this is a man who really had everything going for him. Any, any mother would be proud of a son like Saul. Now, it was through the prophet Samuel that God told Saul, the king, to annihilate the Amalekites. The Amalekites were an exceedingly wicked people. They were a people that... Well, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even tell you, I couldn't repeat to you the kind of evil that went on amongst the Amalekites. These were people that opposed God. These were people that opposed God's people, Israel. And so the day came when God said, the Amalekites need to be annihilated. And Samuel gave Saul the instructions. Samuel was clear about what God wanted The Amalekites must be wiped out. But Saul chose not to do things the way that God wanted him to. Saul did not carry out God's instructions. Let me read to you from 1 Samuel 8, verse 23. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep, the goats and the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved by this that he cried out to the Lord all night long. 
Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. And someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. And when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle that I hear, Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. And then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord. Saul insisted, I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Samuel wanted Saul to understand what the real problem was. And this is a problem that we all face. It's disobedience to God. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they showed us the wrong way, a way of disobedience to God. And that has been our problem from day one. Well, let's just take a quick look at what Paul, or what uh, Samuel says to Saul. Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Now, that might sound a little foreign to us, but understand that in Samuel's day, in Saul's day, that people offered sacrifices to God to atone for their sin. People offered sacrifices uh, if, if they had something they were thankful to God for. Offering sacrifices to God was the way that people worship God in these days. But what happens so often, and as we see here, 
People got, got w- sacrifices uh, confused with obedience. They believed that as long as they were offering, offering sacrifices in that way, they were pleasing God. But Samuel reminds Saul, and he reminds us, that obedience is what God is looking for. Obedience is what God has always looked for. Obedience is what it means to be called a man or a woman of God. If we are going to be called the people of God, then we need to understand that it begins with obedience. Well, this is precisely what Samuel is pointing out to Saul. Saul, if you're going to be the man that leads God's people, then you need to be the first one to obey what God says. And in fact, we find Saul not listening to Samuel and definitely not listening to God. In fact, Saul now is not the only one who's disobedient to God. Saul has led the armies of Israel to disobey God. It's very, very serious. And this is an age-old misconception. Saul believed that his extravagant gifts to God, his sacrifices to God, would be the thing that would please God. Saul would have us believe that they they didn't kill the sheep, the goats, and the cattle because they intended to offer them to God. Now, whether that's true or not, we don't really know. I, I personally doubt it. I think they probably just wanted to keep them for themselves. But now Saul is saying, hey, we intended to sacrifice these animals to God. The very best of the Amalekites, we, we were going to offer it to the Lord. Well, whatever his motivation, whatever he was going to do, it, it, it doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is, is that Saul disobeyed God, and it made God angry. Well, I'm going to tell you, from the time of Saul, and go back even later from the time of Adam and Eve, nothing has changed to this day. God still requires that we are a people who obey God. In fact, Jesus says that, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If I give uh, large amounts of money to God, and if I do good at the church, That should make God happy, right? Well, it may make God happy, but not unless I'm living a life of obedience to him. So many people, they attend church. So many people are involved in church. Uh, Some people are not involved in church, but but their reasoning is that if I do good, if I make great sacrifices, if I help the poor, that's all that I need to do. And God wants us to understand something. Obedience is the critical factor. If we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, if we are in fact going to be God's people, then we have to be a people who understand what it is to obey God. God wants our obedience first. Not just our sacrifices. Is God happy with our sacrifices? Well, not the Old Testament type, but yes, he is interested in our sacrifices. We read in Hebrews 13 uh, what the sacrifices uh, are that please God. And it's doing good to others, it's sharing with those in needs, and it's continually offering sacrifices of praise to God. These, These sacrifices please the Lord, but not unless obedience comes first. We have to obey his commands. We have to live as he's called us to live. Love for God begins 
with obedience and is followed by sacrifices. Let me say that again. Love for God begins with obedience and then is followed by sacrifices. Sacrifices alone do not constitute a love for God, does not constitute a love for God. True worship must always begin with obedience to God. If we're going to be true worshipers of God, then we need to understand that he has called us to live as Jesus lived. That's why we read in Romans 8 that, that God's, God's working in us, his sanctifying work, that process of making uh, us holy is all about making us like Jesus. And if we look at the life of Christ, what do we discover? We discover that Jesus is utterly and completely obedient to the Father. And he stresses this over and over again, especially in the Gospel of John. You need to read that again. Why is obedience such a big deal? Well, Samuel, once again, teaches us the importance of obedience and tells us why disobedience is so wrong. Here's what he says to King Saul in 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. He says, For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft or divination. And arrogance, pride, is like the evil of idolatry. It's serious stuff. It's, we're talking about that which is demonic. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Look at that. Israel's first king has now been rejected by God because of his disobedience. It's not because God hated him. It's not because God didn't want him in the role. God obviously wanted him in the role because God appointed him and had Samuel anoint him as Israel's first king. The problem was Saul could not obey God. And this, my friends, is our big problem. Every one of us, everybody sitting with you right now, wherever you are, this is your problem. It's my problem. And this is, this is the importance of, of discipleship. This is why Christ's last words to his disciple was to go into all the world and do what? Teach people to obey all that Christ taught. This is the great commission. This is the great command of the church. This is the great command given to every, every Christian parent, every pastor, Every Christian needs to be engaged in this work of teaching people to obey Christ. This is Christianity 101. And now I think you understand why I'm talking about this on Mother's Day. Mothers, this is your first responsibility. Fathers, this is your first responsibility to teach your children how to humbly obey God. Because rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft Disobedience is like the sin of witchcraft and arrogance. Pride is like the evil of idolatry. This has been the human condition from day one. This is what had Adam and Eve kicked out of the Garden of Eden. This is what had Cain kill his brother Abel in Genesis chapter 4. This is the human problem. 
And so we understand that our responsibility as parents is to teach our children how to be humble and how to, especially how to obey God, how to obey Christ. Those who are born again, they seek to please God by being humble and obedient to Christ. This is, this is what Cross Church is about. We try to teach people how to obey Christ, how to follow in the steps of Jesus. This is why we teach the seven habits, because we discover in Christ the habits, the behaviors, the customs of God's people. Jesus teaches us that. Now, I haven't got time to get into that right now, but I would advise you to take a look again at what it means to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Allen, uh, as a Christian, I have to confess that I still have moments when I disobey God. That's right. We all, we all struggle with that. We all struggle with that. And if you are truly converted today, then I would say that you will have a sorrow. You will grieve over your sin. But with Saul, he wasn't grieving. He was justifying himself. Hey, isn't that just human nature? We want to justify our bad behavior. We're disobedient to our parents. We're disobedient to God. We're disobedient to those in authority. And we immediately want to make excuses. The police stop us for speeding, and right away we want to make excuses. Well, it wasn't my fault. I didn't see the sign. The sign wasn't posted in the right place. You snuck up on me. You were hiding behind the bushes, and that's how you caught me. And and we make our excuses. I'm going to tell you that if you're a Christian today, and your, your desire is to honor and to please God, the first thing that you're going to do is you are going to confess your sin and you are going to grieve and be sorrowful about your sin. That's what it means to be a true Christian. When you were born again, you weren't instantly perfect. But I can tell you what happened. When you, began, uh, when you began to serve God, began to follow after Christ, you were given the Holy Spirit to dwell within you, to convict you of sin and to remind you of the teachings of Christ. Yes, we fall short. We continue to fall short. We continue to fail. And yet, God is busy at work in our lives, transforming us. So those who are born again, those who would say, yes, I, I would call myself um, a man of God. I would call myself a Christian. Then you are going to feel sorry for your sin. And more than that, you are going to be constantly seeking the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. You are, 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 are looking ha- at how to be sensitive to the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. You want to respond to the Holy Spirit who will be constantly prompting you and poking you and prodding you and, and trying to help you be like Jesus. And Jesus always did the will of the Father. And that is, that is what it means to be a follower of Christ. We seek earnestly and humbly to please our Master, our Lord, by obeying the Father even as he obeyed the Father. Hey, the good news, folks, is that God is busy at work in our lives to sanctify us. That is, to make us holy, to make us like Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, he will use uh, all manner of, of people, of things, of circumstances, good times, bad times, whatever. He will use all things. In fact, all things will work together for good. 
And what is the good? That we become like Jesus. Now, moms and dads, you might wonder, well, well, what do, I, what do I do then? Well, that's a good question, because here's the thing. As parents, your responsibility is to disciple your children. Your responsibility is to teach your children how to obey everything that Christ has commanded. We find that in the Great Commission. Your first line of responsibility is to teach your children how to humbly obey God. Now, we're living in a day and an age when people are confused about what a parent's responsibility is. And let me just quickly run through some of these things. Your, your responsibility as a mother, as a father, uh, your most important duty is, is not to make sure that your kids are involved in sports. I mean, there's nothing evil about sports, but that's not your first duty. It's not your first responsibility. It's not the thing that you should be investing your most time and energy in. Your responsibility as a parent is not to make sure your kids get music lessons. It's not to make sure that they get the highest grades or the, 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 the best awards or that they get the Governor General's Award, etc., etc. Your responsibility is not that your kids are the coolest kids in the class with the best clothes and the coolest haircuts. It's not that your kids are in the best circle of friends or that your kids will pursue fame and fortune. Or, or attend the best university. Those things are all interesting, and at some levels may be important, but I'm going to tell you that the greatest and most important thing that you are going to do as a mother and a father is to teach your children to humbly obey God. Let me say that again. The most important thing that you are going to do as a parent is to teach your children how to humbly obey God, how to humbly submit to God so that your children are not rebellious and arrogant the way that Saul was and the way that so many people have been. The Apostle Paul makes it clear to us, to all parents, that our, our responsibility as children of God is to humbly obey him. It's to humbly Submit to him. And if you're a child today and you're still under the, uh, the, the instruction of your parents and your job is also to obey your parents. And it's everyone's responsibility to obey those who are in authority. This is the way that we please and honor God. Look at the Apostle Paul says to all children. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse Uh, One to three. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Look at this. Honor your father and mother. Respect your, your mother and your father. Do what your mother and father tell you to do. And Paul reminds us this is the first commandment with a promise. Do you know that in the Ten Commandments, this is the only, only commandment that comes with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. It's the only commandment that comes with a promise, that if children obey their mother and their father, if they respect and honor their parents, then God will bless them richly. Now, let me ask you a question, Mom and Dad. What do you want your, for your kids? More than anything, 
It's not, the, it's not the accolades and the praises of human beings. What you want for your children is that they experience and know the blessing and the approval and the pleasure of God. That's your responsibility, mom and dads, is to teach your children how to please God. And if you do that, Paul tells us that your children will enjoy God's blessing, long life, health, peace, and happiness. That's the promise. All who are obedient and all who honor their parents will have the blessing and help of God. Good things always follow those who know how to obey God. Saul lost his kingship because of his disobedience. Saul lost his kingship because he's unrepentant. He lost his kingship because he would not confess his sin. He maintained an arrogant heart, a proud heart, a heart that was unwilling to say, God, I'm sorry. Samuel, I'm sorry. People of Israel, I'm sorry for my sin. Saul now is a king. He's too great, he's too powerful, and he's too proud to confess his sin. Think about that for a moment. Because that is every human's problem. We have a hard time admitting that we're wrong. I have a hard time confessing our sin. Saul would not confess or admit his sin. And if he did, say, hey, well, I made a mistake, I was wrong, or whatever. It was only to appease the people around him. It was a temporary fix. It wasn't really from his heart. And how do we know? Because it never changed the way he lived. He continued to live in rebellion. He continued to resist God and to resist God's will. Well, I know some of you may be thinking, well, there are other kings in the Old Testament that also sinned against God. Some of you may be thinking of the second king of Israel who also sinned against God. Some might think that the second king of Israel did worse sins than Saul did. In case you're wondering who that second king is, well, it's none other than King David, a man who was called a man after God's own heart. What's the difference between these men? Because I know some of you are, are, are thinking this through, and you're remembering that David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And not only did he commit adultery with Bathsheba, but he tried to cover up his sin. When this poor woman got pregnant, David thought, well, I'll... I'll call her husband back from battle and I'll get him to sleep with her and nobody will be any the wiser. The problem was is that her husband was a, was a righteous man, a man of principle, and he refused to sleep with his wife as long as his comrades were fighting in battle. David, trying to solve a problem, David, rather than admitting and confessing his sin, he sends her husband to the very front lines of battle where he was killed. Essentially, David was responsible for the murder of Bathsheba's husband so that he could get rid of him. 
and hide the, the sin that happened in the shadows. Why didn't God take away David's throne? He took away Saul's. Why wouldn't he take away David's throne when it seems that David's sin was worse? Well, I'll tell you, very simply, David understood his sin. And when he was confronted, unlike Saul, David confessed his sin. When, when Nathan the prophet came to David and confronted David with his sin, David was instantly grief-stricken and sorrow, sorrowful for his sin. Not Saul. Saul would carry on in his rebellion against God. But David understood his sin. And the Bible says he fasted, he wept, he, he really abased himself so that everybody would know that he was a sinner, that he was sorry for his sin. And we, we, we get a glimpse of what's going on in his heart concerning this disobedience. He writes the famous psalm, Psalm 51. And if you've never read that, you need to read it. You need to let the words of Psalm 51 grip your heart. Because whereas Saul, the first king, refused to repent, David, the second king, he repented. And here's what he says. God, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. Did you see that? Again, it, it, we're reminded of what Samuel says to Saul. God's not looking for sacrifices. He's looking for obedience. David understands that. God, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. David confesses something that we all need to understand. The sacrifice that God wants, the sacrifice that you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. Isn't that beautiful? Hey, listen, mom and dad, I, I got to just encourage you to be utterly and completely honest with your children. Well, you're teaching your children to obey God and to be humble. Make sure that you are willing to admit to your children that you also struggle with sin. And that you also need to repent. And that you also need to come before the Father with a broken and contrite heart. I'm going to tell you that if you do that, you will teach your children authentic faith, authentic Christianity. You will teach your children that if you can follow God in obedience with a broken and humble and contrite heart, then your children can make it as well. I've seen so many people give up on Christianity. They say, I just cannot do it. And that is a fact. Even the apostles, when they were walking with Christ, before Christ had ever gone to the cross, before he ever died on the cross or was resurrected, they said to Jesus, who on earth can live out this kind of Christianity? Well, they didn't say it exactly in those words, but they said, who could be saved? I'm going to tell you. You and I cannot be obedient in our own power. You and I cannot be God's people in our own strength. We have the whole history of Israel that proves, it, proves that very fact to us. 
But we have been given the Holy Spirit who has at work within us, who enables us to come before the Father repentant and asking God for forgiveness. Mothers and fathers, you need to be teaching your children what it is to live a life of humble obedience before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You need to teach your children what it is to acknowledge Christ as the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your master. and You humbly submit to him and do his will so that you and I are not caught up in the sin of rebellion, which is as the sin of witchcraft, the arrogance, which is like the sin of idolatry. God save us and spare us that kind of sinfulness. Let us follow the example of David, who was quick to confess his sin. He was quick to admit and understand that it was a broken spirit. It was a heart humble before God. When you and I go before God, we come and we praise him and we give him thanks. God, I'm able to come to your throne. Not because I'm a good person, but because Jesus Christ died for me and I put my faith in Christ. I believe that I am righteous and that I have therefore got the right to come to the throne because of Jesus, not because of me. Not because I'm a good person. Not because of all the great sacrifices that I make, but because I'm I need a Savior. I need Jesus. I need somebody to pay the price for my sin. The best mothers and the best fathers in the world are the ones that first and foremost confess their sin to God and will willingly confess their sin to their children. Hey, I'm not talking about all the gory details. That's not necessary. But what is necessary is that you ch your children understand that you need God's grace and mercy as much as they do. So David actually has a baby with Bathsheba, but the baby died. Can I remind everybody today those of you who maybe imagine that you'll just be like David and you'll suffer the consequences, let me tell you, the consequences are great for our sin. But the good news is that where there is genuine repentance, there is forgiveness of sin. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all want to spare our children the suffering that comes with sin. We all want them to succeed and we want them to do well in this life. We all want them to have happiness and joy and peace in this life. But understand this, that true happiness in this life, true joy, true contentment, true satisfaction only comes through humble obedience to God. That's the most important thing that you're going to pass on to your children. Teach them to humbly obey God and to be quick to confess their sin to God and to ask for forgiveness. And the Bible gives us the wonderful promise that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Wow. Let me just say this in closing. 
We talk about habit number three. And I guess, again, if you don't know what the habits are, uh, we'll be glad to send you uh, a bookmark with them. You can just, again, info at crosschurch.ca. We'll mail one out to you. Or you can go to our website and see it there. Habit number three, and this is the one that people don't always remember, people are a little bit confused about. Habit number three is the habit of Christ. It's, we call it moment-by-moment moment holiness. Jesus Christ, while he was on this earth, every decision he made, every time he made a decision, it was really moment-by-moment, moment, he always did the will of the Father. Now, holiness, in case you don't know, just simply means being separated unto God. It's for God's use, for God's purposes. It's holy, it's pure, it's without spot or blemish. Jesus Christ lived a holy life. And some people don't know what holiness is, but let me just tell you what holiness is. It's simply doing God's will every single time, moment by moment, every time you make a decision. Now, you can't do that in your own strength, in your own energy. Some people uh, have been confused about this. They think the way, that I be, the way that I am a Christian is I have to, I've got to just do those seven things. No, that's not how it works. You have to be converted first. You have to have the Holy Spirit at work in you who enables you to live a holy life. So here's Jesus Christ, our Master and our Lord, Doing God's will every single time. Every decision that he had to make was based on God's will. Saul lost his throne and David lost his baby. And other kings lost land, uh, lost, they lost their throne. Israel was sent into exile. They lost their country. But none of these consequences is as great as a consequence that Revelation tells us about. The book of Revelation tells us about the second death. That, my friends, is the greatest consequence for our sin. And that second death, in case you don't know, is hell. This is a strong thing to be talking about on Mother's Day. But folks, understand that this message is, is actually the gospel. It's the good news. That, that none of us has to face that if we put our faith in Christ and if we live the life that Christ has called us to live. Here's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. Hebrews 12, 14 Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. That's the greatest consequence for disobedience. Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, when they disobeyed God, that was the moment that humanity, all of humanity died. The gospel is that we can have new life through Christ. These old bodies are going to die, but those of us who put our faith in Christ, our, our souls will live forever in the very presence of Almighty God. But until that day, until it happens, you and I need to live a holy life. A holy life is a life 
of obedience, of humble obedience to the master. Moms and dads, I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ to fulfill your responsibility, your duties. Send your kids to sports and music and on and on and on. But please, 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 don't forget that you want your children to spend eternity in heaven in the presence of Almighty God. Make that your first responsibility. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our moms and our dads. Especially thank you for our mothers this morning. On this Mother's Day, would you give them the grace and the strength to teach their children how to humbly submit to God in obedience. And of course, the very first thing that we do as parents is we set for our children an example. We model for them this obedient life. This obedient life that was modeled to us through Christ. So Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction from your word. God, those of us who have sinned, we can be restored. All we have to do is confess our sin. All we have to do is repent and look to the Lord and he will forgive us and cleanse us. God, give us the grace that we need to live humbly and obediently in your presence. We pray that for Christ's sake's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful Mother's Day.